Hey everybody, uh, Vic here. Uh, great to be together like this. Um, I hope you had an amazing Easter weekend behind you. Thank you so much if you joined us on the Friday or on the Sunday. Uh, it was a great time together where we celebrated the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Um, this was a, a week of some bad news. I know we've been told to stay at home again for another uh, four weeks or so. And, um, you know, maybe you have this little postponed spring break uh, ahead of you. I know that's that's the case with me and my family. I'm taking a few days off uh, while the kids are, are not in school. Um, and so maybe that's a little bit of a, a gift in the middle of this, this, this next couple of weeks where we have to stay uh, stay at home. Um, but we are looking ahead to the summer and excited to, to hopefully get out there and interact with one another in creative ways and ways that we are allowed to do so. Um, but I, I do hope that if you are going to take this uh, sort of gap, the spring break, that it's a good one for you. Uh, I will see you on the other side of that again. Um, and today I'm, I'm actually launching a brand new a series. Uh, a bunch of our leaders will preach through the books of First and Second Peter. Uh, and I'm excited about that. It'll probably last all the way through the summer. Uh, some exciting things in there for us. Um, and as always, you know, when we set a book up, or at least we've been doing it for a few, few of these series, um, we, uh, we're going to hand over to the Bible Project guys who do phenomenal videos that just summarizing uh, a book for us visually, creatively. Um, they, they make these videos available to the church for free. Um, and so, you know, we could use it. Uh, we have permission to do that. Um, but, but as a church, uh, we, we are contributing. I just want you to, to let you know, financially, we give towards this amazing ministry every month as well. And so, although we can, you know, do this uh, uh, free of charge, you know, because of their generosity, uh, we as a church are actually sowing into, into uh, the ability for them to do that. Um, so, yeah, sit back, uh, you know, pay attention for the next four or five minutes as you, uh, through their, with, with their help, you know, can wrap your head around at least the first uh, a letter that Peter wrote, and I'll be back again after that. Great man. Well, I hope that uh, that whet your appetite and that you are excited about, uh, you know, the 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 letter that Peter wrote, the first letter that we'll be journeying through together. Uh, we're going to read just the first two verses today. We're just going to spend uh, some time in these first two verses, setting us up. Um, and so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, please uh, read along with me. Otherwise, you know, of course, it will be up on the screen as well. So this is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. I think that's quite a nice way to start a letter. Um, I'm going to just uh, start the sermon by, by praying together. Join, join me in prayer if you can as well. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. Uh, we thank You for an opportunity again to... Uh, to look verse upon verse at, uh, at what you have in store for us in this particular letter, in this particular book. Um, and so Holy Spirit, would you come and open our eyes and open our hearts uh, to hear and to see uh, what it is, what's in there for us to take us and to make us more uh, like Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 
So, um, you know, this letter starts off firstly with, of course, Peter, as any good letter writer uh, uh, starts with his name, saying Peter, an apostle of Jesus. And, and uh, remember last week, especially Resurrection Sunday, uh, last weekend, we, we you know, looked a little bit at this Peter who, this was the guy who, who, who denied Jesus three times. Uh, on the night of his crucifixion, and who, who many moments uh, before that, uh, uh, you know, had had uh, uh, crazy claims. You know, I, I always say he's he's got foot and mouth disease. You know, he he often would say things that required a bit of rebuking, um, or he you know he re- reacted uh, too too quickly to something, um, and uh, and and this is the the Peter that's writing this this letter, and and so uh, much of what he's saying in this le- in this letter. Um, Initially, Peter actually didn't get himself, you know, some of the declarations he makes here, the statements. Uh, as you read through the Gospels, you realize that, that the, the penny hadn't dropped for Peter and for the other disciples right, right from the start. They were discovering some of the truth that he's writing over here. And for me, this, this, gives, this gives me hope. You know, I, I love to identify with Peter. You know, I, I also make blunders. I have my doubts and I do dumb things as a Christian. Um, but I know just as Peter came through, you know, to the point... I mean, Peter, Peter denied Jesus, you know, and, and Jesus reinstated him and, and, uh, and, and he picked him up and dusted him off and said, no, I've called you, I've chosen you. We'll look at that in a moment as well. You know, if Peter can get through that, uh, then, then you and I can get through that. And so I take great uh, comfort and I'm very encouraged by Peter, uh, an apostle, as he says. Remember, he's, he is a sent one. The word apostle means to be sent. But also in this case, Peter is saying, I am one of the witnesses of Christ's uh, life, death, and resurrection. You know, it sets him apart, which is why he's able to to pen to, and to write scripture as well. Um, and, and later on in this letter, he also even identifies himself as an elder in, in the church, in the early church. You know, an elder for us, uh, we use this to the term the same way, refers to a shepherd or, or a pastor or an overseer, a leader in the church. I'm an elder in this church. And so, you know, for me, Peter, an apostle who later on says, you know, he's, he's an elder, like I, I, I really do relate to him and I trust that you could also relate to him um, you know as you think about his discipleship journey with Jesus um, all the way through to when he ends up writing this letter um, and, and and Peter an apostle writes this letter to whom he, he writes it to the elect exiles of the dispersion uh, all over uh, parts of uh, you know uh, um, what is today known as uh, modern day Turkey and so um, he starts off first first of all by saying you are elect ones you you are chosen ones um and and he experienced this of course firsthand peter he knew that jesus chose him in many ways he didn't choose jesus and and i don't think anything can humble us quite like the 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 theology of election you know sometimes we think that we made a calculated decision to follow jesus we've weighed it all up and uh, and so we said yes to him you know we we took his hand we, it's like we we took the first step towards him but as we read our bibles and as we journey with jesus we come to the realization that actually we didn't choose him he chose us he was at work in us long before we even uh, uh, considered him and his claims and and, and 
you know, Peter experienced that himself. He's like, I know that he, he wasn't chosen because of his, uh, yeah, um, you know, his, his cleverness. You know, he was just a simple fisherman. The Bible describes him and, and James and, and John as, you know, ordinary, unschooled men. And so there wasn't a sense that Jesus chose him because of his intellect. In fact, many people think that Peter didn't even write this letter because they thought he was too, too, too much of a kind of a, you know, blue-collar, down-to-earth guy. And, and the kind of language that's in this letter is maybe too high and lofty for him. I mean, Peter identifies himself as the author here, and, and uh, you know, there's not, not a lot of dispute these days over uh, who wrote the letter. But, um, but, but you know, all this just to say that, 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 that Peter wasn't chosen necessarily because uh, he was amazing in any way. He knew. In fact, that time when Jesus called him, he fell before Jesus and he said, I, I'm a sinful man. You know, go, go away from me, Lord. You know, his first kind of moment to obey Jesus, he actually did it rather reluctantly and when Jesus told him to to throw the net out to the other side he's like well kind of I know how to fish you don't but uh, I'll do it anyway uh, and when there was a miraculous catch you know he he was so aware of uh, of his inadequacies and fell in humility before Jesus uh, and of course was probably moved by the fact that Jesus still chose him and said no I'm going to make you a fisher of men uh, and so here he is doing a bit of that writing to the elect exiles uh, uh, out that's dispersed across uh, uh, um, th those regions that were mentioned there. Um, but, you know, them being elected uh, is good news. And you and I being elected is good news. It means that God has chosen us not because of anything we have done or could do or will do, but because of his grace and his grace alone. Uh, that is really good news. And so they are chosen, they're elect, but they are elect exiles. Uh, as I said, um, these were people in sort of modern day Turkey. Um, they were Gentiles. So Peter here is not writing to a prim primarily a Jewish audience. He's writing to Gentiles, you and me. Um, and that's also another amazing story uh, uh, of, of Peter. You know, initially he, um, he was just preaching the gospel to, you know, his fellow, fellow Jewish brothers and sisters. Um, but, you know, through an amazing vision, God showed him that actually this, this message is not just for Israel, it's for the whole world. And so him writing this letter to, to Gentiles is another amazing uh, testimony to, to that. Um, and, and to be the elect exiles here, he is actually leaning a little bit on his, on his, uh, um, you know, his Jewish heritage and, and the history of Israel. Um, because the word means chosen people. Um, later on, he, he, he refers uh, to those words as well, that, that these people are chosen. Um, and just like Israel was chosen, Israel was, was God's chosen na nation. Uh, and I think it's significant for Peter to say this. Uh, he's basically saying that the church now, uh, you know, enjoys the same privileges as the nation of Israel had just enjoyed or had enjoyed up until then. So, um, so, so the door's been flung open wide and everybody can come in and not just that nation. And the word dispersion there or, or diaspora, as some would say, um, that was used to refer to the Jews that were scattered throughout the world, you know, sometimes in, uh, as, as a result of exile and other times just because of uh, the way the world was then. Um, and now Peter is using that word for the church. And so he draws this parallel, of course, between Israel and Jews and the promises that were made to them, them chosen, and then now, you know, through Jesus, how the, the nations can come in. Um, but he uses kind of the same words, a chosen people, uh, um, the uh, the diaspora, which was, you know, usually just re re um, reserved for the nation of Israel scattered across the world. Now it's for you and me as well. And, uh, 
You know, as believers, you and I, we, we are exiles too. So this letter would, would, would not be uh, wrong if it was addressed to you and me. Um, we should have that sense at least uh, that, that we are exiles wherever we find ourselves. Uh, that actually we are not as believers, as followers of Jesus, so assimilated to our culture that we don't feel or, or experience life like outsiders. Um, because as a, as a result of being exiles, uh, we will experience trials and sufferings uh, and, and, uh, and opposition, much like these, the, the recipients to this letter have, have uh, experienced. In fact, this letter was written to them to encourage them in the middle of those things, uh, to remind them that they're not uh, of this world, although they are in this world. And so it's the same for us. But I find it amazing that these two terms, um, to be elect and to be an exile, can be put together. Um, you know, exiles uh, for, for an Israelite, for, for the Jewish people, the word exile was a, was a negative term because often they were exiled because of their disobedience to the covenant, their disobedience to God. And they found themselves, you know, as a consequence of their disobedience in exile. God was disciplining them. He was teaching them a lesson. Um, and, and, and often it would cast doubt on whether they are still the chosen people of God, if they are still in the family in a sense. But exiles for you and me, being an exile in the new covenant, is, is actually the opposite. Jesus redeemed that for us. Uh, because in the new covenant, we are in exile precisely because of our obedience, not because of historically the disobedience of Israel. Um, and, and to be in exile and, and therefore to experience maybe some of that opposition uh, and that, uh, that persecution, uh, the trials as a result of being in exile, actually that is a confirmation that we are in God's family, that we have been chosen, that we are the elect ones. Uh, I love what one commentary uh, says. It says, at first glance, to speak of elect exiles seems like a contradiction in terms. To be an exile is to be rejected. To be elect is to be selected. But there is no contradiction here. God's people are rejected by this world precisely because they have been elected by God. I think that's amazing. And so this is a picture of how believers, that would mean Christ followers, uh, many of us who are, are, are listening today, uh, this is a picture of how we should see ourselves in this world. Uh, when you come into a relationship with God, you, you come into this relationship through what Jesus has done, through Jesus Christ. Um, to, to, and that means you are brought into His kingdom. Be, being inside His kingdom will mean you will always be outside of this culture. But you're outside, outside as an exile. I, I want to say that again. When, we've brought, when we're brought into God's kingdom through the work of Jesus, we automatically are outside of this culture. And it's a great challenge for us, you know, if we find ourselves living in a way that doesn't seem like we're outsiders because in many ways we aren't following Jesus. We are not uh, aligning ourselves with His will and His way. We, we're not uh, living in accordance with His kingdom principles and values. Um, it, it's an alarming thing if there isn't much difference between yourself and your neighbor who may not be a follower of Jesus. And so to be inside his kingdom is to be outside of this culture. But you're not outside of this culture, kind of removed, you know, disconnected from it. You're, you're outside of it as an, uh, as an exile, which means you're inside it. You're inside it, although you're outside of it. Let me, let me try and explain. Sometimes you can think of an exile as someone who's saying, listen, 
I'm just here for now, okay? And so you kind of, your roots are not down. You're like, I've got another kingdom. You know, heaven is my home. Uh, you know, I'm an exile. And, and you can distance yourself from those around you. That's not quite the ex exile that, that, that Peter has in mind, as we will learn as we will journey through this letter. Another one is you can say, you know, say to someone, yeah, I'm here now, but, but you know, this is not forever. There is, there is a, there's a comma. You know, the one is like, uh, I'm just here for now. Um, uh, but it's going to come to an end. Um, uh, I guess the, the second one is the same. You know, I'm not, I'm not here forever. So um, uh, kind of counting the days until I can get out of here. Um, but the way that we, you and I are, are called to be in exile is saying, yeah, I'm here now, but I'm not from here. Uh, so there's a sense that you, you are planted. Uh, you are rooted but to, to make a difference, knowing that you're not from the place that you're planted and rooted in, that you're from somewhere else, but you are called in to the place to, 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 to want to see that place flourish. You know, the God's word to, to Israel in Babylon uh, was to, to actually, you know, make, um, uh, you know, build houses and to, to get married and, to, and to, to make a home for themselves, saying that, you know, in the flourishing of where I've sent you, you will find a flourishment. Um, you, if, if you seek the welfare and the well-being of the place that I've called to you, you will find your well-being and your welfare in that. That's the kind of exiles you and I are called to be. It's not a, an assimilation. It's something uh, completely different. And it's amazing that um, Peter here writes to hurting and persecuted and oppressed people, like I said, facing many, many trials. Um, and what does he focus on? To encourage them. He focuses on the election of God. He focuses on the fact that God has chosen them. That's the thing that will get you through hard times, knowing that God chose you, knowing who you are in Christ, but also knowing whose you are, that He's chosen you, that He's elected you. That gets you through hard times. And, uh, and so I hope you, you take encouragement from that as well. Maybe you find yourself in a bit of a trial and a bit of a challenge, but uh, don't forget that you have been chosen as a Christian, that you have been selected, uh, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. And, and so he goes on by um, explaining the salvation, this, you know, being, being elected, being chosen by God. And he attributes it to the work of the, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Um, and, uh, you know, one writer says it's like triangulation. I don't know if you know how that works, but let's say you've got a mobile phone and you want to know where your location is. Well, you just need two or three uh, uh, mobile phone or cell phone towers around you. And with those three, at any time, you can determine fairly accurately your location. And so uh, uh, Peter here leaves us with sort of three towers of truth, yeah, so to speak, uh, that can help us. If we lose our position, lose, lose our um, uh, uh, you know, assurance or, or, or our confidence in God, these things uh, can help us. The first one, he says, uh, you, you have been uh, elected and, and chosen according to the Father's foreknowledge, the foreknowledge of the Father. Um, that's amazing because, I mean, this doesn't just mean that, you know, God and His omniscience uh, you knew that you know you would be a follower of him, but that God sovereignly set His affection on you in advance, and therefore making sure that you would be 
a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I want you to, there's a difference. It's not that God knew it was going to happen. That in many ways is saying he knew you would do it. No, he knew because he set his love and his affection upon you uh, before anything. And, and, and that act of loving you uh, in advance uh, assured and made certain that you would come through as a follower of Jesus. Uh, in the Bible, to know often means to love. And so, you know, to, to, to foreknow in many ways means to, to forelove. And again, we know that that is just grace from start to finish because before we had done anything, this was the act of the Father. And, and, and that's what I want you to see here is that it's the Father that does this. You know, you are in a family. Uh, and this Father is not like me who, you know, only started kind of loving, you know, my four babies when, you know, I could see them on a on an ultrasound scan or, or finally, you know, they were born and are in my arms and this love for them flooded uh, my heart. God is saying that before you were in existence, He loved you. He's so much better than an earthly father. Uh, and you need to know that you are in God's family and that He is your father. And, uh, and this is one of our values as a church is to be the hospitable family of Jesus. And uh, it goes on. The second tower of truth for him is, is saying uh, in the sanctification of the spirit. Uh, and this is both uh, positionally. In other words, when you become a Christian, uh, the righteousness of Jesus gets imputed to you. And so, the, you know, you stand before God, not just forgiven, but, but credited not forgiven of your sins, but credited with the righteousness of Jesus. It's an amazing thing. Um, and so that happens at conversion when you become a follower of Jesus. But, but also progressively. So not just positionally, but progressively. In other words, from then onwards, you become in a sense who God declared you to be. That you grow in, in actual holiness. Your life looks different. That's why you, you seem like an exile. You might be Canadian in Canada, but as a Christian, you're an outsider. You're, you're, from the, you're inside God's kingdom. Uh, uh, and, and that word means to set apart as holy. And so God, when He sanctifies you by His Spirit, He sets you apart. You are different. For what? To be holy, to be, to be perfect like He is perfect. And so there's a sense that we should stand out as sanctified people. We should stand out from the culture around us. And I would say to you, more and more so, as I see uh, uh, you know, the, the, the days tick by and, uh, and this current cultural climate we find ourselves in. Um, and this is one of our values, is to be Holy Spirit empowered as servants like Jesus. Um, and so yield and depend upon the Spirit to, to sanctify you. Um, and then the third tower of truth is, is for obedience to Jesus. Uh, and, you know, this is one of our values, too, is to be disciples devoted to Jesus. And this obedience uh, is all the way from the first yes, you know, uh, to, to, to say, I, 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 I submit to God's grace. I say yes to, to, to the good news, to the gospel. Um, and all the subsequent yeses, that as the Spirit sanctifies us and we, we, we make decisions and choices, uh, as as uh, obedient followers of Jesus, as obedient children of the Father. Um, that is what we have been elected to, uh, according to the foreknowledge of Father, in the sanctification, sanctification of the Spirit, and for obedience to Jesus. Um, I think that's an amazing gift to us, these three towers of truth that, that really undergirds the rest of what will be said in this letter. Um, but he ends off, 
not just for obedience to Jesus, but saying for sprinkling with his blood. And I think it's, a, it's an appropriate uh, uh, a moment for us to transition now into to taking communion together. So um, if you have your stuff uh, around you, now's the moment to pick it up. I'll be back and, and lead us in a, in a moment of communion. You know, when, when Peter writes you for, for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, uh, you know, I think we can glance over our shoulders and, of course, just think about the shed blood of Jesus that we looked at over this Easter weekend. Um, and the, the, the shedding of blood in the Old Testament, certainly in their day, was the way to enter into a covenant, you know, a promise that was made. And so, of course, God is, is ushered in a new covenant through the blood that was shed by Jesus. Um, and, and when the blood was sprinkled upon things or sprinkled upon uh, Israel, God's people, there was a sense of God saying, you have been redeemed, you've been bought, you, you belong to me, you've been set apart. And so uh, you and I, through what happened on the cross, can experience that, that election, that, that, that the fact that we've been chosen by God. Uh, it's come to us by the means of, of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. Um, and, uh, and, and, and now we, we get to celebrate that around the, the, the meal. The, the blood is represented here, the juice, and, and the, the bread is, is, represents the body of Jesus given for us. And, and he said we should eat, do this often in remembrance of him. Uh, that's why we do it fairly regularly as a church. And, uh, and this is actually an, a meal for exiles. Like every time we, we eat and drink like this, we actually also point ahead to that glorious meal, that feast one day where we will no longer be exiles, but we'll be, be brought into the kingdom of God and we'll be with Jesus and, and, and people from every nation, tribe and tongue saying there's one kingdom, God's kingdom. We're no longer living a, a, as exiles, but we've been brought close, brought near. Uh, and, and we long for that day as we, as we now actually suffer in many ways. Um, you know, drinking this meal that points to the suffering of Jesus, saying, well, if it went like that for him, it's probably going to go that way for us. But we eat knowing that this points to a, a, a meal one day, the, 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 the wedding supper of the Lamb, the Bible describes it, this feast. Um, and so can we do that now, uh, knowing that actually we've been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus? In other words, set apart the, the promises he made, the covenant that he's made. Uh, those promises are ours now. Um, and it came to us at the expense of his life. And so let's, let's, uh, uh, let's have this meal as exiles now, longing for that day when we will no longer be, but knowing that, that this represents you know, the, the blood and the body of Jesus that was given for us to enjoy. Well, you know, at the end of all of this amazing uh, theology and truth that he packed into just a few opening lines, he ends off with a commission or a benediction, really. I mean, it's not so much a commission because he's about to get into this letter. So it's, a, it's just a quick little blessing that says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. And that is how, what I want to leave you with, saying, As you go uh, you know, back into this, this, uh, this week, you go in as an exile. But as an exile with grace, uh, and whenever the word grace is used in the Bible, it's always connected to, to, to lavishness, to, to, 
to an oversupply. And so uh, that's, the, that's the grace that you and I have. There's just so much of it. God, it, it it's, it's sufficient always. It's never insufficient. And then peace. The Bible says peace that surpasses all understanding. As you find yourself in this crazy time with much reason to be down and depressed, may peace be multiplied to you, not just in small quantities, but a multiplication of peace. The kind of peace, the Bible says, that surpasses understanding. When the world looks at you, they go, why are you so peaceful? Why are you so happy? Well, it's because you are, are chosen by the Father. You're sanctified by the Spirit and you are obedient to Jesus and you are from and placed into His kingdom and, and, and you're sent into this world as an exile to live out that truth in front of others. So may grace and peace be multiplied to you. God bless you and goodbye.